Hey everyone, this is Dave Korsunsky from Data Driven Health Radio. On this show, we look at how individuals are empowering themselves and using data to transform the way they manage their health. We interview the health experts and the scientists that will help you understand and interpret the data. We speak with the entrepreneurs who are building the tools and the technology that are allowing us to quantify our health in novel and powerful ways. And most importantly, we speak to the individuals who are beating the odds on everything from cancer to diabetes to weight loss and general health and wellness. This show is brought to you by Aura. They make a state-of-the-art ring that can track sleep cycle analysis, activity, and recovery. You can learn more about this product at headsuphealth.com slash Aura. That's O-U-R-A. This show is also brought to you by our good friends over at Keto Mojo. They are making a highly accurate and highly affordable device for testing blood sugar and blood ketones. Check it out at headsuphealth.com slash keto mojo. And lastly, the show is brought to you by Level. They are making a clinical grade breath ketone analyzer, which measures your level of fat burning and ketosis through a simple breath. You can learn more at headsuphealth.com slash level. That's L-E-V-L. All of these amazing products are integrated with Heads Up Health. They all allow you to quantify your health in novel and powerful ways. So check them out. Thank you to our sponsors. Welcome to our show, and let's get into it. Welcome to Data Driven Health Radio. Hey everybody, this is Dave Korsunsky and we're back with another show. This is Data Driven Health Radio and we're interviewing today Dr. Stephen Barry who was with Viome, a gentleman I had the great pleasure of meeting up in Vancouver, Washington a couple months now I think it was. Yeah, about four weeks ago. Therapy Association Conference and I came up to him and started bending his ear about how we need to partner together. And uh, after some good conversation, we decided that this would be a great place to start. So uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, uh, you're welcome. And, and he bent my ear so much, I, I now have to wear these headphones. I, I bent his ear right over from his booth to, to our booth and uh, made him look at what we were doing and said, how do we work together? Because yeah. both of our respective companies are helping people quantify elements of their health. And there, it's, it's a puzzle, as you most certainly know. And so there's lots of cool ways that I think that we will end up working together down the road. But I think this is a great place to start and just educating the Heads Up Health community, which is my startup and, and user base, about the products you offer. A lot of our users have done the tests already, and they're sharing the information with us. Others haven't. So this is a great place for us to start. And of course, the data is how we empower the individual to take charge of their own health, to learn what they need to learn so they can make the right decisions. And it's all through data. And you, you have an incredibly diverse background that I'd like to learn about before we dive into Vile. Sure. We, have, we are going to actually do a screen share. The video will go to YouTube. So if people want to see a sample report and understand some of the basics about what the tests offer, we do that frequently on the show here, Data Driven Health Radio and then talk specifically about your mission at Viome, which is incredible, and we'll go from there. Great, I uh, look forward to, to sharing and talking. 
Yeah. So how did, you, how did you first end up as a naturopathic doctor? My sister in Canada is a naturopathic doctor and, and she's the one who kicked my butt and finally got me to start taking my health seriously and, and did wonderful things for me. So where, where did you study for your ND? Uh, at Bastille University here in Seattle. Yep. And just to give you the real quick story, because it's kind yep. of interesting. Yeah. Uh, I had been in the corporate business world for many years. Yeah. And had decided to leave that and kind of do my, my journey around the world and quote, mm -hmm. find myself. Mm -hmm. And this was in 1980. And I had a dream one night. I mean, this is a crazy story, right? Yep. I had a dream one night that talked about becoming a naturopathic physician. Yeah. My knowledge, I'd never heard that term before. So I looked in the yellow pages and it happens that Seattle or Portland, Oregon, are the only two places in the, in the United States that had a couple of naturopathic physicians. Yeah, this is back in 1980, so there 1980. were yeah, very few options out there. Yep. I said, who are you? What do you do? Mm -hmm. And I got all excited, and uh, a month and a half later, I was, I was attending classes for four years. So That's following your intuition, and, yep. and, and also knowing how to listen. A lot of people know how to listen, but, but there's no action. So not only did you find a way to listen to the intuition, but then also take action on it and set you down a completely different path. Correct. Correct. And, and the path was great because it, it allowed me to combine my previous experience of the business world, mm -hmm. marketing, finance, with now this whole uh, aspect of health and how do we help people improve their health. You know, it's the same with me. I, I would never be able to do what I'm doing now if it wasn't for my time in the corporate world. Right. learning how to interact in a business setting, learning how to hire people, learning how to sometimes fire people, doing all of the professional diplomacy that comes along with being in the corporate world. That's been a, absolutely essential to me being able to do what I do. And those are different skills that people learn in medical school. Yep. Um, so uh, we're both fortunate to have had those uh, in our background beforehand. And then you mentioned before we got on here that you did some incredible work in China. Can you tell us about that? Sure. After I, re I retired, I was the founder of Genova Diagnostics, which we can talk about in, in a minute. Yep. Um, after I retired from that, one of our ex-lab directors, um, who was Chinese, and moved back to China, invited me to uh, come back and lecture. And this was about eight years ago. So I lectured a few times on functional medicine uh, mm -hmm. in China. And eventually the government, the government of China said, well, why don't you stay and move? And I laughed. I said, I'm not, I'm not moving from California to, to Beijing. And then That'd I got exciting. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not, I'm not going to do it. You know, I, I'll come over and lecture, but I'm not moving. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I came home, and I, I, again, it, was, it wasn't quite a dream, but it was, this, it was this deep thought about what an amazing adventure this could be. What an opportunity. Heck Who would yeah. ever think about my living in Beijing in China and experiencing this whole culture yeah. and being at the start of a whole functional medicine revolution? So it was an opportunity to be a pioneer, again, like a bunch of us were you know, 30 years ago here in the United States, and to do it in China and help potentially 1.4 billion people. And then the year turned into two, into three, and then it was seven years I was there. I imagine living in Beijing is like putting your finger in the light socket. Uh, yes. Super fun. Yeah. 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 Now, this was a government-funded program here in the United States. Conventional medicine, conventional insurance does, does not necessarily reimburse or recognize functional medicine in the same way. Is it different in China? It's different in the sense that in, in China, there is very little entrenched uh, medical system, say the drug companies, for example, who oppose it. The drug companies are not powerful in China at all. You know, and the philosophy of traditional Chinese medicine is very much aligned with functional medicine. Absolutely. And the Chinese government realized, well, they needed to modernize TCM for sure. Yep. Just adopting, quote, Western medicine was not the way. They couldn't afford 20% of the GDP going to healthcare. Plus, it doesn't work very well. 
Yeah. I mean, even if you spent 20%, maybe if it worked, it might be okay. But as we know, it doesn't work. You know, it makes some people rich, but it doesn't work very well. Well, you know, we're, we're 50th in, in, yeah. in the nation's health in the world. So yeah. we, spend, we spend more money. So, yeah. so they embraced it as a way for them to, to really bring their medicine to their healthcare to all their people uh, to a new level. That's awesome that they have that level of openness and adoption. And it's just interesting to understand the dynamics of power there, that they're different, that this could come and, and emerge and flourish. And you're absolutely right. It's, it's very well aligned historically and culturally with yes. Chinese medicine. So that actually makes a lot of sense. I'd, I'd never considered that before. And of course, you know, their, their system of government, one of the advantages of it is they can get things done. You know, mm -hmm. once the leadership decides this is what, what they want to have happen in the country, it then happens, you know, for good or bad. Uh, but in this case, it was certainly very good. That's cool. Now, Viome, let's jump to Viome, which sure. is your current role. Right. And, and, and maybe as an introduction, let me, let me go back for a second, because that's related sure. to, to Viome. Yep. So the area of the microbiome, which I'll, I'll give them maybe I think so everyone's on the same page, a brief introduction in a second, has been my passion um, for now 35 years. And that was expressed through Genova Diagnostics and the original tests that were done for dysbiosis, the microbiome, leaky gut, uh, all these functional. I've, I've had many of those functional medicine tests done from Genova yep. and, uh, and other labs that do a lot of the specialized testing that, that's not part of conventional treatment. Right. So you were the founder of Genova? I was the founder, founder and, and virtually all those tests were ones that I, I and a team of people uh, developed. Because we, the, the whole premise was, let's understand the cause of the pathology. You know, most lab testers measure pathology. They yes. just say, you're at this level, that's good or bad, but they have no, they don't address why. So the, the idea of functional medicine as a discipline, and then as laboratory testing, it's how do we get to the root cause through laboratory testing, in this case, of what's happening with someone. Food allergies, let's look at, you know, leaky gut. Arthritis, let's look at leaky gut. Let's look at the microbiome. So, so that's been my passion for, for a long time. And the exciting thing about, about now coming back to the United States just actually four months ago and joining the team at Viome is what, what we had ideas about 30 years ago and 20 years ago, and we made inferences, clinical inferences and stuff like that. We didn't have the technology to really understand what's happening in the microbiome. And that technology is just five years old. Machine learning, artificial intelligence. Well, and sequencing. I mean, sequencing. Well, first, first came sequencing. You know, before yeah. we, we cultured stuff on Petri dishes, yeah. you know, which swabs a stool and, and, and Petri dishes. And you'd only identify, you know, 30 or 40 different kinds of bacteria. Now we know there are over 8,000 species. And there's only 40 trillion of them in our gut, more than all our cells by 1,000, more than all the stars in the universe. We know that the metabolic genetic activity of the microbiome is a thousand times more than all are human cells. And That's an interesting point, yeah, that I want to get, get back to in a second, which is the connection between the gut microbiome and, and, and metabolic response. Right, and, and the gut-brain axis we know about, the, you know, the gut makes more serotonin, the micro, microbiome makes more serotonin, 90% of our serotonin, which affects how we think, it makes hormones. We had no idea all this was happening, and the amazing thing is, it's just in the past two years that all this is being discovered. And every week, I read articles and my, my eyes go like this, because I can't even believe what we're discovering. And, and I've been doing this for 40 years, so uh, it's amazing every week. Well, so, first of all, thank you for the work you did at Genova. And I know so many people that have benefited from finally being able to test a lot of those things, myself included. 
that, that I just couldn't get from going to the regular doctor. So just really blazing that trail and, and amazing work and sets you up perfectly to be doing what you're doing now. So that's just absolutely incredible oh, thank stuff. You. Thank yeah. you. So Viome now takes it to the next step. Yep. So uh, again, we now are able to understand the activity of the microbiome. So before we did some identification, then five years ago, technology developed called 16S technology that allowed us to identify more, but we didn't know what the microbiome were doing. We didn't know if they're dead or alive or active or inactive. So with the technology that Viome has, which we uh, obtained from the Los, Los Alamos National Federal Laboratories, allows us to actually identify what all these microbiome are doing. And by the way, when I use the term microbiome, I'm talking about bacteria, viruses, phages, fungi, and parasites. So we look at everything. Yep. And just a quick introduction for everybody in case someone says, what in the world this is microbiome stuff? Our entire planet has a microbiome. They exist, these little one-celled organisms exist in the air, the water, and the soil. They're what help plants grow. There's, they, they help make beer, you know, the yeast in the air. They're Bless their hearts for, for, that's the, for the beer. Right? work making the beer. I know. And, and sourdough bread. Um, yes. So they are an intimate part of the whole health of the planet. Yes. Right? So now you bring it to animals and humans, they live in our skin. They're involved in how fast our skin ages and if we have skin diseases, where they live in our eyes, our ears, our nose, our mouth. And then what we're interested in is the GI tract. So that's the one where these 40 trillion then live. 40 trillion, and you, you threw in another number there, 8,000 plus different species. Different, different species, right. Yes. Now, the more species you have, which is called diver the better diversity, mm -hmm. the healthier you are and the healthier aging you will have. Yep. So when the microbiome gets imbalanced, and you, we use a term called dysbiosis, mm -hmm. and certain good ones uh, get killed off, bad ones multiply. In addition, the diversity gets narrower and narrower and narrower. Yep. So maybe you only have half the ones that you should have. And that makes for a very unstable uh, environment. Yeah, our first guest on this podcast ever was Dr. Grace Liu, and she... Oh dove deep into all of this stuff. We didn't get specifically into the biome test. She helped us understand some of the conventional markers that she looks for and then some of the other specialized tests that she uses, which, which we can get into, things like the organic acid and things like that mm -hmm. when, when, there's a, when there's a need for it. So we've, we've covered it, this Great. topic of the microbiome once before, but it's always helpful to get another person's perspective, hear their own language on how it's described. So maybe... As a segue into some of the other questions mm -hmm. I've just been jotting down here that sure. I, I want to ask you about is let's just level set by how somebody does the test and mm -hmm. then we can branch off from there into some of the questions I think might be appropriate for sure. our sure. community. Right. And, and of course, the, the reason, you know, why someone would want to learn about the activity of their microbiome and what chemicals they're producing and not producing is that it turns out, as perhaps you've talked about on previous shows, it turns out that the cause of virtually every chronic disease, not association, but the cause of virtually every chronic disease, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, autism, diabetes, obesity, heart disease, is the microbiome. So that's why it, it, it's of interest. That's why it's important. That's why it, people agree it's the future of healthcare. I mean, in five years, all healthcare will be practiced around the microbiome. Yeah, so that makes perfect we're sense. We're at the beginning of it yep. now, and in five years, it will be fully 
fully embraced. Yeah, I remember seeing the, the beautiful uh, literature that you had at the booth. And, and the first mm-hmm. statement that jumps out is that all chronic disease originates in the gut, which, right. yeah. Yeah. And, and this is a statement that's you know, been around for thousands of years. Hippocrates said it. I was actually just in Qatar speaking at the Features Now conference in Doha. And interestingly, Mohammed said it. So yeah. in the Quran, yeah. there's a similar sentence to what Hippocrates said. That all disease begins in, in the gut, which we're I re, we're relearning what we once knew. Right, that's yeah. right, that's right. So, so tell us about the test. You order the sure. test. Something arrives in the mail, a box, right. a box, and, and we'll go over we'll do a screen share later and actually show you what happens. A box arrives. You uh, register yourself online. There's a Vio map for uh, iOS or Android, and you answer a bunch of questions that tell, that tell us gives us more information about yourself. You know what conditions you have, your health, your obviously weight and size, and things like that, which we gather up. Mm-hmm. Um, you do a simple little stool uh, sample, a very small amount of, uh, of feces. Everybody's favorite test is the Everyone's stool. favorite I've, test. I've done a few of them. It's weird, yeah. but, but you know, it's, it's fun because you're getting really incredible, valuable information it, about your it, health, but it, admittedly it's a little weird on the first go around. Right. It, it, yeah. It's part of us and yes. it's a whole active community. Embrace it, right? You know, they actually talk to each other through light signals. Yeah. These different colonies talk to each other and tell each other to move around different parts of the, uh, of the intestine. That's amazing. Um, so anyway, so, so a small, small, so small amount, small amount, and actually it gets put in a little, little bitty vial, yep. and everything is killed in that. So mm-hmm. there's nothing live left because we're measuring just the RNA of it. Yep. So we're not, we're not, we don't need live bacteria, live parasites. Everything's killed. They send it back to a lab which is located in Los Alamos, uh, New Mexico, and uh, within two weeks they get a little notice saying your results are ready. They open up your app. And there's an artificial intelligence chatbot which helps walk them through the results, uh, and we'll go we'll go through what, what 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 that looks like. The end result. So you know, data is interesting, and mathematicians study data, scientists study data, computers study data. But if the data doesn't give lead you to a change or information that allows you to make a change, it's not very useful, right? If, you can, if it doesn't lead to intervention. You know, then it's just interesting information, which, yep. which is, but I'm sure most of your listeners don't just want interesting, interesting information. They want to know what does it mean and what do I do? So that's why I started my company because I just saw how even just providing the right data can drive behavior change. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to right. figure out, okay, these numbers need to move in this direction. I will take certain actions and right. then remeasure said numbers. Am I moving in the right direction? That's the right. simplest explanation of heads up. And if you're not, what do you need to modify? Exactly. Right. So the beauty of the microbiome in terms of potential intervention is that most of it's dependent upon the environment that we provide it, which is not, not insulting it through antibiotics and things like that, mm-hmm. and providing the right food, the yeah. right probiotics, the right foods that will either help us change the the metabolites that are being produced. So yep. the, the solution is straightforward and simple. And, it, and we guide people through with, you know, what seems maybe a whole lot of stuff, but where they end up is, this is what you should eat, what you should eat a lot of, what you should eat a minimal amount of, mm-hmm. a moderate amount of, and these foods you should avoid. Now, the, the amazing thing is, which is, kind of runs contrary to what is out there, although people agree with this as soon as they hear it, there is no universal healthy diet. That's why there's a new book out every week, keto, low carb, high carb, high protein, low protein. I've written some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they only work for a few people. They don't work for everybody. That's why people keep on buying new books. Yep. The reason they don't work is because they only work dependent upon 
what your microbiome is at that time, what these balance of bacteria are. Additionally, that leads to this, this kind of amazing thing is that there's no universal healthy food for everybody at the moment in time. For years, I would certainly talk about broccoli being one of the healthiest foods, right? The sulforaphanes that have these anti-cancer effects, all the great polyphenols that, that, you know, that improve lots of things. So everybody should eat broccoli three times a day, except it turns out through our research that 30% about of the population, their microbiome, so whatever imbalance they're at, converts the phytochemicals in broccoli to a toxin which irritates the gut wall and causes leaky gut. So well, that's amazing. You know, I've, I, I just want to jump in there because I was at a conference recently and it was a woman, Georgia Ede, I believe. And this just brings up a, a talk she was giving where she was eating these healthy vegetables and was getting sicker. And it was, and it's like, well, this is the healthiest foods on the planet. And okay, I took those out and I got better. So that, that's what comes up when I hear you make that example. I mean, I don't know all the reasons for her, but I would suggest that primarily the reason was was whatever her consumer microbiome was at that time was causing it. I mean, avocados, avocado, really healthy fat. We know we should eat more healthy fats and not, you know, fats from meat and stuff like that because of the anti-inflammatory or pro-inflammatory aspects of it. Again, a fairly big segment of the population at a particular point in time, avocado is not good for them. Now, if they eat the correct diet, follow the food recommendations that we provide, okay? increase their diversity, start producing the right chemicals, and stop producing the wrong chemicals, then avocado will become a healthy food you yep. know, several months later. Their diversity increases, which makes the microbiome more stable and able to withstand insults of poor diet or antibiotics or stress or things like that. Well, you, you're preaching to the choir here in terms of the need to personalize your approach. We happen to have a lot of people on our system using low-carb ketogenic diets for metabolic disorders. Ultimately, what we want to do is just find out and give people the tools to measure whatever it is they want to try as a lifestyle intervention and, and figure out whether it's working or not. So I'm in 100% agreement there. I think your point about the broccoli is, is an excellent example and now having the ways to through your service potentially find out in, in an empirical way that at this moment in time i think is the key yep. center there that my microbiome is having an adverse reaction to this food and this is an ongoing process just like food sensitivities weight gain weight loss this is just like a fine wine it's just constantly evolving over time and that's i guess part of the reason why a lot of people will retest on biome as they change. And I know that I've got some people in our Facebook group and they're doing testing periodically and, and actually witnessing their microbiome evolve right in front of their eyes. Talk about a way to empower and educate and engage a patient in this type of healing. And so I guess that's why you would, you would repeat testing and actually watch these changes happen for yourself. Correct. You mentioned a lot of your listeners are involved in the keto diet. So the violent results will just allow them to personalized inside the parameters of what they want to follow in the keto diet. So if there's a list of 20 things you you might be eating in the keto diet, maybe 10 of those uh, are not the best choices for right now. Yep. So it's, it's, not that you, it's not that you can't be on the keto diet and, and not have those particular benefits, but you want to, as you said so perfectly, personalize 
whatever your choices are, whatever you're, you're attempting to, to do. So let's spend a, a couple minutes there. I have two questions related huh? specifically to low-carb keto. The first is a study that was published in Cell with uh, the group of Israeli uh, subjects where they had 800 people connected to continuous glucose monitors, monitored everything they ate, even two identical foods given to different people had completely opposite glycemic responses. Exactly. That's what we've discovered. So, and metabolic disorders are a global epidemic. Everybody's got a busted metabolism. Yep. And one thing I've noticed in my own personal health is that uh, as I've stabilized my um, blood sugar responses by choosing different foods that are not going to cause a high glycemic spike, two questions here. Does that improve the microbiome? And conversely, people who are having very, very high postprandial blood sugar responses, can we look at the gut as a very effective place to start working on those issues just as much as avoiding high glycemic, high sugar foods? Yes and yes. There's and a lot there. Sorry about that. Right. No, no. I think our learning over the past six months has actually confirmed more like from that study you mentioned in cell mm -hmm. and take us a step further. So our test used to include, and which you've done, um, two parts to it, right? Yep. A GI intelligence and a metabolic intelligence. And the metabolic intelligence part was uh, measuring your glucose through mm -hmm. a little CGM, little, little glucose monitor that we include in the kit and you drank a little drink of, of that was very sweet. As of this month, our artificial intelligence has learned enough from all the data that we've, that we've gathered to do the same kind of interpretation just from feces. We've actually had a thousand people. So you don't even need the glucose anymore. No, we have, we've had a thousand people for a month walking around with a continuous glucose monitor attached with a special diet that was provided to them three times a day delivered to their door. And we took all those results in and we now do it straight from stool. So that's, that this is a incredible uh, advance that we've done. This shows the power of the artificial intelligence machine learning, learning model. Well, that's what the study found as well. They, they could base, after they had enough data, they could predict what your, yep. what your glycemic load would be from a given food. You didn't even have yep. to eat it. They'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. So well, what we discovered, again, a little bit in, in that study, but really kind of defied the conventional wisdom, if you ask most physicians, is that we could have person A eat almonds yep. and have a very minimal reaction from a glycemic response, and person B, with a very different microbiome, had an incredible spike. Yep. So, you know, they would never, they never would have thought that eating, I mean, eating almonds, what you eat when you have hypoglycemia, you eat almond snacks all the time and stuff okay. like that. No one never thought that there was this much variability in the same food, okay, number one, and two, the connection being the microbiome difference is what, is what caused that. And if people want to understand further the power of the microbiome, I mean, I know you, you've seen these studies um, just in the past two months, right, that the effectiveness of Cancer immunotherapy uh -huh. from patient to patient is totally dependent upon their microbiome. The 20% that it works in, they have yeah. a very distinct microbiome signature. 80% yeah. where it doesn't work, have a different one. Yep. And if you manipulate the microbiome signature of the people that doesn't work in to, to match the ones that does, chemotherapy and immunotherapy drug starts to be effective. So very important correlations need to be drawn there. Right. So I just I say that just as an example of the power of the microbiome in ways that we had no idea it affects things related to our health. Well, so, link to the cell study and also those ones if you can provide them. Sure. But, uh, we spend a lot of time working with people who have metabolic disorders. And honestly, the gut microbiome is never brought up 
as a place to think about for treatment. It's all like, okay, let me, let me tweak my macros a little bit further or something of that nature. But nobody says, let me go fix my gut as like a way to work on my, my blood sugar disorder. And I guess the simple reason is this is really all new research. This waterfall effect of the ability to start sequencing, okay, uh, at a reasonable cost, which, keep, which keeps them coming down every year. And then that causes dramatic interest yep. uh, around the world. And, you know, the drug companies are really interested, of course, now. They see the microbiome because their approach is genetically engineer bacteria as a drug. Absolutely. That's uh, yeah, the that's their approach. Yep. Patented. Right, and then patented, of course. But you don't need to do that because we can do the same thing through diet and through prebiotics and probiotics. So. so if I have type 2 diabetes and I'm working on it and I've, I'm on a low-carbohydrate diet, I'm in nutritional ketosis, the weight's starting to melt off, starting to feel a lot better, that's going to change my microbiome. Uh, just as a result of starting to choose better foods and losing the weight and improving the body composition. But what about somebody who wants to also start working on their gut as part of that as well? Is, is that considered a way specifically that people can start thinking about enhancing their, the tools in their tool chest? I've got, I've got the diet figured out. Now I'm really going to work on, on the gut aspect of this. So I've got basically just like another weapon that I'm using to start working on this metabolic oh, disorder. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, because because you're going to want to understand which of those foods that that you've now are including in your specialized diet are the right ones for you at this period yep. of time. So that's how you hone in on. Yep. Still following the same the same ideas. Okay. Now now you hone on. These are the ones of, of the ten I was eating. These are the ones I I really should be eating because they're going to benefit me the most. Because Inflammation is the root cause of, of virtually every disease, right? Yep. And especially the obesity and diabetes and stuff. So, and the microbiome is the key factor in controlling inflammation. So there's all yep. these pathways, the LPS pathway and everything else, which are pretty much now agreed upon controlled by the, by the microbiome. We can measure, and we do measure, about 250 pathways out of about 1,000 pathways um, that exist. And one of them, of course, is the inflammatory, inflammatory cascade pathways, the, the lipopolysaccharide pathway. And we can tell if that's upregulated. Upregulated means it's turned on too much or turned off. So if it's upregulated, our AI engine will recommend the foods that will help to downregulate the inflammatory pathway, which is going to have a big effect on diabetes and, and obesity. So another question there, uh, Dr. Barry, uh, a lot of times individuals who are adopting a ketogenic diet may, in my opinion, have a lack of diversity in their diet. And so that may be necessary actually for a therapeutic period, but then you would want to start increasing, it's often called the nutrient density or the diversity of the diet. But is it possible for people to stay on that lack of diversity diet too long? Uh, absolutely. absolutely. And, and what would you, ex yeah, what would you expect to see? I guess that will affect the microbiome. There's not going to be as, as much uh, diversity in there and it, it could actually be counterproductive. Correct. So what we know about the microbiome and its effect influence on health is in three areas. We have the immediate effect. We have a midterm effect. And we have a long-term effect, which we now could talk about, you know, healthy aging and, and longevity. Yep. So Let's think about the long-term effect for a second. As we know, an important goal of healthy aging is to reduce our risk and incidence of chronic disease. Yep. You know, we're not talking about extending the years per se from 85 to 90. That's, that's a different subject. We're talking about whatever you're going to live to, 80, 85, 90. We want those remaining years, those last years to be free of chronic disease. Quality so, of life in those quality last Quality of life. So having a diverse microbiome, mm -hmm. 
is an important factor in long-term reduction of chronic disease. Now, in terms of short-term, we've got lowering inflammation, yep. increasing energy, you know, increasing the production of butyric acid, the good short-chain fatty acids, et cetera, decreasing production of the toxic short-chain fatty acids. Those will have short-term effects, and then they'll have mid-term effects of now your autoimmune diseases. Now, people will have less flare-ups. Irritable bowel, uh, ulcerative colitis, all have less, less flare-ups in the midterm. So we have acute situations changing within two weeks to three months. And then we have your long-term benefits of risk reduction over time. All right. Well, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is we have a lot of individuals who are also looking at heart rate variability, which is another way we can look at the level of stress within our systems. I'm going to be at HeartMath in uh, three weeks, I guess. Yeah. That's where it gets really interesting between Heads Up Health and Viome because we've got all this HRV data and other data sets. Do you work with HeartMath, Phil? We don't integrate HeartMath into our system yet, but we do integrate the Aura Ring and very shortly we'll be adding elite HRV. And I know that in my own personal health, relatively speaking, for the mean for people of my age, my HRV is low. And I'm actually working with Dr. Grace and she's helping me with a lot of the things you're describing. And so can you comment a little bit on how HRV and microbiome are correlated? Sure. If we think about the microbiome having these connections throughout the body. So the one that's been in the news certainly a lot is, is the gut-brain axis. Yep. And we understand how the microbiome communicates with our brains through the vagus nerve and, of course, through the production of, of various hormones like serotonin and other metabolites. And interestingly, the research is now showing us that probably 80% of the brain's activity is just following orders in the microbiome. Most of your brain activity is not independent, it's following orders from the microbiome, following chemical signals that are mediating what is happening in the brain. So the command and control is actually down there in the belly. Right. I mean, you know, the, you know, the, the gut feeling. Um, yeah, you know, for sure. And it turns out that that's just true. So the same thing, therefore, you can start to think of in terms of heart rate variability, two-way street. This is different than the brain. So this is a two-way street in terms of the imbalance we just call it the imbalanced microbiome. You know, yeah. it, it could mean many, many things, but it's imbalanced, it's not healthy, okay? That is sending chemical signals in the blood, which is affecting your, H, your heart rate variability. The opposite way, as you get your HRV in better shape, that is helping to modify the microbiome because then it, they communicate back. So the microbiome is sending signals out, it's also listening, okay? so. As, as better HRV has better chemicals floating through the blood, the microbiome is connected to that and actually is listening. We have this two-way communication street, which again, is all new in the past two years. Well, let's start kind of bringing things home here. I think that, first of all, the ability to get this test done is incredible. Uh, uh, the average consumer now can get access to information that's, that's been analyzed by incredibly advanced and sophisticated machine learning and AI technology. And a, million, a million pieces of data, David. Yeah. A million pieces. And our chief technology officer uh, was the former head of the IBM Watson group, which people have heard about, I'm sure, in terms of artificial intelligence. That is just incredible that, that the average Joe now can basically submit the Viome result, equivalent of the, of the Watson, that's going to do incredible computation analysis. Like, what an incredible time to be able to even have access to this technology. And their physician or, or myself 
we can't analyze that data anymore. There's too much information. Yeah, it's beyond the human comprehension at this point. Absolutely, absolutely. So the role of physicians will change uh, in the future. So we can have access to this. We we can learn where our gut microbiome is at this point in time. We can and and do something about it. Have a personalized recommendation by by an algorithm that's that's seen these patterns and has learned what the right interventions are. Start to identify how this is improving things like our postprandial blood sugar, our heart rate variability all of the other markers of disease. That's what we track. Our sleep. Okay. Sleep, so yes. lots of, lots of research in the, in the, just in the past four, four months about the connection of the microbiome uh, and sleep. So yeah. as we improve the microbiome, people have a much healthier sleep cycle. They go through all the, all the different cycles properly. Yeah, that's incredible. And poor sleep yeah. because of habits and stuff interferes with the microbiome. Absolutely. Two-way street. Yep. Eat, eat crappy high sugar foods, you're, you're going to damage the microbiome and start to change the foods you eat. The microbiome gets healthier. As that gets healthier, postprandial blood sugar gets healthier. And it's the same with HRV and sleep and all right. these other metrics and correlations of disease, this, this two-way uh, communication channel, both, both positive and negative, garbage in, garbage out. And, and not eating the proper prebiotics. Yeah. So what is we, a prebiotic, Dr. Barry? So, I, have a, I have a rough idea in my head, but I'd love your expert opinion. Sure. A prebiotic are a group of foods that contain certain fibers, which are the preferred food for, for the good bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, and they decrease fermentation, and they provide the right nutrients for, for, the, for the good bacteria. We hear a lot about probiotics, right? And that industry is now, I think, $18 billion dollars. And there I've are thousands. Got, I've of, got a couple at home upstairs in the refrigerator. Right. Yes. So there are thousands of brands, I guess, yep. hundreds anyway, and thousands of formulas. Right. Well, here's the truth. This is this is where Viome comes in. Nobody has any idea which probiotics, which bacteria they should be taking. They don't know what they're missing. So you go look at this formula in the store. And it has eight bacteria. This one has three. This one has twenty-five. This one has ten. Yes. Those bacteria are somewhat related. They've been related to studies that show maybe they're healthy, yep. but they don't know if they're missing those. They don't know if they need those. And those don't usually even colonize. Yep. So you need to know which ones are in fact needed for you, which ones are missing, and then which foods are going to benefit their colonization, their growing. Is that part of the report? Is also yes. recommendations on which strains you, you need? Yep. Exactly. So... Yeah. Maybe we could just start to wind down by getting some mm-hmm. general best practices. Obviously, the report is going to be very specific, but mm-hmm. increasing prebiotic foods, diversity of the foods that you're eating, I think, is another one I've heard commonly. But if you were to just give a couple general best practices, even if you haven't done the Viome, where people could start about starting to just get some general awareness and, and the easy, the low-hanging fruit, I guess you would, for for optimal microbiome? Well, I don't want you to think- Maybe not a fair question because- Right, I don't want you to say it's a cop-out, but yeah. I would have answered that question eight months ago. Yeah. But now with what I know from the data, I can answer that because- The answer is do the test. Well, because you just don't know because yeah. everybody is different. And as I said, there's just no universal healthy food. I, I can't say this prebiotic is a good food for you to eat or yeah. for your listener to eat, because it may not be. Again, it kind of flies in the conventional wisdom in some ways, but then again, deep down, everybody kind of knew that. Mm-hmm. They knew, yeah, these are healthy foods, but aren't they right for me? Yep. So that's what the Viome test, test does. And that's what this new technology allows us to do, which just couldn't be done before. Cool. 
Well, we're extremely excited about our partnership. Anyone who wants yep. to get the test, just go to headsuphealth.com slash Viome, B-I-O-M-E, and you can save a few bucks through the website there. And we've got some additional information for anybody who's interested. I'm excited about how the data that we're collecting and the data that you're collecting might somehow have a uh, happy marriage where yes. we, can, we, we can provide the biomarkers and the sleep cycle analysis and the heart rate variability and, and the blood and tie, them all, tie them all together. That's kind of the holy grail of all of this stuff. We, that, that day will happen. And yep. that will be an incredibly momentous day for human health where the machine basically has everything and tells us exactly where we need to focus. So we're coming at Yeah, Can I add something there? Please. So that's the first big step, yep. what you described, right? Mm -hmm. But the second big step is the person has to do something about it. Yeah. So we can provide all this great data, Viome can. You can provide and integrate the data from all these other sources. And now we're gonna have this bunch of recommendations for somebody, right? They are then empowered and hopefully they'll be inspired to then take action and do those things, modify their diet, go out and exercise, use best sleep practices, etc. All these things that we know, meditate, do yoga, all these things we know that have the big effect. So it's up to, we'll provide the information yep. and it's up to them to, to take it to their heart. Well, I spoke with the guys who are, who are building the Human Longevity Project video series, which is coming mm -hmm. out, and they went to all these blue zones all over the world, interviewed all of these centenarians, and, and found out the, the, the society and the culture that they live in, impossible for us to replicate here in the Western world. We're, we're way past that. Right. So what, what they recommend is that it's actually the technology that is going to help us, in many cases, learn to thrive in the environment that we live right. in. We, we can't go live on a little island in Greece and, and, and have a wonderful community that loves us and accepts us, and we pick fruit and walk 10 miles a day, and, and stress is minimal. We're, we're, we're beyond that. We're getting blasted by EMFs. We're, we're, we're ingesting toxins all over the place. We're in front of screens all day. And so technology like what you're providing or we're providing and others are providing are, I think, going to help us come to a place where we can give our biology the tools that it needs to survive and thrive in the society that we live in. Correct. You know, all, all disease is, is simply the interaction of our genetic potential mm -hmm. and the environment. Yep. And as you, you very well said, we, maybe we can't control the air unless we move to uh, someplace in, down in Chile. We can't control the air, but we can control other things. Yep. We can control our stress. We can control our, what we eat, et cetera. So doing all these things are the way we accomplish being in our own blue zone. And we can get notified when our environment is starting to create something that could become a chronic disease. And we can make the early interventions if we know what to look for and how to test. And so other ways, I think, that we'll be able to, to help make a difference. Right. You know, these chronic diseases don't happen overnight. It's not like yep. somebody wakes up with arthritis or wakes up with with cancer, wakes up with diabetes, it's been happening over many, many years. So they can have the impact in changing that progression, which is yeah. what's so exciting. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just been an amazing honor to speak with you, Dr. Barry. Thank you for well, sharing. The your opportunity to, to share information with, with people is what we're about. Cool. Do we have time? Do you want, do you want to see? Uh, do we have time for the screen? Oh, stuff? I totally right. forgot about that. Yep. So for those who are able to watch this on YouTube, we're going to do a screen share. For those listening on uh, the podcast, we'll just verbally articulate. We're going to do just a quick sample report and look at what you get from the Viome. Okay. Let me try the screen share. Yep. Cool. Uh, well, yep. Actually, it's loading. There we go. Yep. Everything is loaded. Just maximize that screen. 
Yep, it looks perfect. So, yep, take us take us through uh, it. Are you gonna, yeah, we'll just be a quick a quick run through. Yep. Uh, so this is this is what the app looks like on your iPhone or your Android mm -hmm. Android phone. Yep. You first get it. Uh, you have to um, first get your kit. You have to authorize it and, and sign up and answer yep. uh, a bunch of questions. There's an artificial intelligence chatbot which talks you through it, uh, both in terms of the sign up part and then also uh, when you get the results. There's a, a survey, general questions, you know, etc quickly go through that part and then you get so that's the setup part is, is gathering right. the information that's the information part of the analysis that's that's yep. impending yeah and so now uh, now here's an example uh, and this by the way is um our 1.0 version there's a 1.5 version uh, coming out just in a few weeks which I think even does a better better job. But anyway, so you still get the metabolic score, but now you don't even have to you don't even have to do the uh, glucose tolerance test. Correct. Correct. Awesome. Yeah, so much easier for the for the customer. So, so we you've have got a, a gut, you've got a gut score, you've got a metabolic score, you've got a body score. What's the body score? Well, here we'll, we'll go through. So we have a wellness index. Yep. Okay, which is just your overall uh, wellness, and then we can track it over time. Mm -hmm. uh, this one on the on the right part of your screen. These are multiple tests, so we can see how someone uh, yep, is doing. They're on the right track there, clearly. Okay. We do go through and give people an overview of the actual bacteria, viruses, fungi, parasites that we find. And then here's something calling it in terms of diversity. Mm -hmm. compare it, to, in this case, to Americans. Here we're showing the gut composition that way. And again, we compare it. Uh, and people can drill down and understand. And these are the good guys. These are here some probiotics that we can see. Yep. Uh, and you can see this person has, doesn't have enough of some of the good probiotics. They can actually drill down and understand uh, specific um, species. And by the way, we're the only test in the world that goes down to strain level. And That's we incredible. Found, we found out that, that the strain of, of, say, lactobacillus acidophilus, the actual strain, could be a positive or negative. So people would think, oh, well, lactobacillus acidophilus is, is, is always positive. In fact, it's not. We have to get down to the strain level to, to see. So this, yep. this is new information just in the past three months. So these are the 8,000 species you represented earlier. You mentioned earlier, yep. is that right? That's the, that's the tree there. And then obviously there's, there's stronger dots indicating a higher prevalence of so one strain versus another, or one species versus another. Correct. And they can click on, click on those and then learn specifically about those bacteria, what they do, why they're good, why they're, why they're bad. Um, yeah, I, re I remember yeah. when I was going and working with my functional doc, I was having some really bad physical effects from stress. And there was a, there was a Klebsiella infection that came up extremely prevalent, which was a lipopolysaccharide-based thing. And so that's where like some of the, the, the bad guys, I'm sure, would show up with like a big red dot on the radar screen there. Yeah. Correct? And Klebsiella is going to be involved in autoimmune disease, by the way. Yeah. The, the body... Actually, Eclipsiola produces a, a protein which the body thinks is itself and, and then creates an autoimmune reaction. Well, we knocked it out and then we retested and it's gone and, and retested again recently and it hasn't come back. But Great. had I not done that test, I, I may have been sub subject or, or at risk for an autoimmune disease. Correct. Correct. SLE is very commonly associated with Eclipsiola. Yep, okay. cool. And then we go an overview in terms of, again, uh, of, of a particular diet, mm -hmm. uh, just the carb, protein, fat. And uh, then there are these the personalized recommendations. So, for example, here are things that someone should uh, enjoy a lot of. Here are things that someone should eat a minimal amount. And here are things that someone should avoid. And, and this is not – so these recommendations, for example, we're not evaluating, you know, gluten intolerance. We're not, we're not evaluating food sensitivities. So yep. we can tell through if someone has leaky gut. So if someone's allergic to, you know, barley, 
they shouldn't eat barley. Yep. Okay. This is saying your microbiome is going to benefit from, from barley. Right? Okay. Uh, same thing, more, uh, more foods. It's very specific, very easy, very easy to... So you could look at this list and you could say, listen, I really want to avoid barley, even though that's one of the foods on my list. I'm avoiding mm -hmm. certain grains. And but you then have other choices. You have other choices on the list that might fit your personal diet better, but are still going to give you the nutrients that you need. Correct? Correct. Correct. Awesome. So that's the beauty that's of it. That's an important Correct. distinction. You don't have to eat everything here. That's where you can pick and choose. Correct. Awesome. Correct. Yeah. So that, that's, that's just a quick overview. And some super fit people at the top there. Yes. Yes. This is a, this image, uh, interesting, evokes a lot of emotions in, in people. I so, love it. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting image. Cool. Um, yeah. By the way, that's me down there. Yeah. Uh, awesome. You're pretty jacked there, Dr. Yeah, Barry. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, right? you're, you're, you've been hiding those guns, actually, with uh, that sweater. Yeah. And I shaved, off, I shaved off my beard. So. Yeah, you're just a very humble and modest guy. You're going to have yeah. to let those, those things breathe on the next, on the next show. <laughs> right. <laughs> this has been incredible. I think this is really, really exciting information. We'll post uh, headsuphealth.com biome for people that want to do the test. I know your goal is, is, is a million uh, individuals sampled, correct? Correct. The, the reason is the more samples that we have, the more we keep on learning. So the, the AI engine, the machine learning engine, is learns from everybody. And when we reach a million people, we believe that we'll be able to really understand the entire spectrum for every chronic disease in relation to the microbiome and what to do about it. That data and that learning. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Be. By the way, we should be there in about about two years. Yeah. Awesome. So, we'll yeah. do what we can on our side and thank you as much data to the sample as we possibly can. Yeah. And this is this is just one of the one of the few things that your listeners can can take just a positive step, an actionable yep. step to do to make a difference in their health. Education, empowerment. Yep. I love it. Yeah. All right, Doc. It's sure. been awesome. I'm hoping we it's can it's been great. We look forward to more cooperation. Thanks for your Thanks. time. Take care. Data Driven Health Radio.